Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams And this is the She Got Game sports business podcast, The Sportacast. Oh my God, Bonnie, it's like you're paying for this, only you're not paying for this. Holy Christmas. Am I getting a bill in the mail about this, Evan, that we didn't discuss? I was not not planning any sort of invoice, but when we get plugs like that, sheesh. You might as well throw in a banner ad. I mean, like, why not? Oh, when we take care of guests, we take care of guests. And it's International Women's Day. Yes. So we figured what perfect time. Now, what's the time frame for our, our friendship, Bonnie? Where do we go? I don't want to say long time, but it's not it's not ephemeral, you know, short lived. It, it, what, what's the time frame here? When what, did Sportico launch? Four years. Four years. Uh, did we do launch or was it probably about four years? So Stephanie Rudnick, who my life is six degrees of separation to Stephanie Rudnick, who um, I've known for years. and I love to give credit to people who make introductions. Yes. She is one of the great connectors in the entire world. And not only is she good at connections, but she connects good people. Well, I, she thinks I'm a good person. My parents think I'm a good person, but she's good at connecting good people with other good people. So um, we were connected before Sportico actually launched. And however long that is, I've been harassing you that long to do more stuff with you guys. So maybe maybe this is the foot in the door that I need. I know something's going to happen. By the way, she does it from Australia, which I find amazing. You, you send her, which is good because you send her the text or the email. At, but she actually said to me the other day, because I answered her at three in the morning our time, she, do you sleep? And I just responded, no, <laughs> I don't. And Eben knows that. No, I don't really sleep. Yeah, we know you don't sleep, but it's it's interesting because when we get on the phone, so they're four, so 14 hours ahead. I know I'm terrible at math, but I'm I'm usually talking to her when it's early in the morning and it's around six o'clock at night here. So, but, yeah, there, there's a reason I talk for a living because I can't do single digit. <laughs> Me too. But speaking of terrible at math, so you've got that, which is understandable because it's really, you know, it's other side of the world stuff. Eben. And this is the Achilles heel, the only one he's got. He for the life of him. He has two, if we're going to go autonomy. Well, uh, <laughs> oh, I thought we were going to go looks. Forget it. Then forget it. Yeah, the looks are two. That, but that's a handicap he cannot overcome. On podcasting, he's fine. But he can't Brutal. time zones. Like if he just for the life of him, he thinks LA is plus three hours from New York. He will never get it right. Explain yourself. No, not only can I not get them right. When I sit down and think about them, I also I can't like actually take the time and figure it out. I'm wrong all the time. I show up for meetings with people in LA six hours before they're happening because I went 
three hours back instead of three hours forward. Uh, it is consistently, I am always, some people are wrong about directions all the time. I am wrong about time zones all the time. All you have to know about going from New York to LA is it's glorious on the way out and <laughs> just brutal on the way back for about three days until your body clock gets reacclimated. Maybe that's right, why uh, I take so many red eyes, Scott, because yeah, I'm confused about the, uh, yeah, it's because uh, you're up late. Change. You're still partying, <laughs> even though you're not young anymore. Um, <laughs> like we've said Bonnie, but we didn't say Bonnie Bernstein. Sorry. This is Bonnie Bernstein joining us on international women's day. And I'm going to put you on a macro level first, Bonnie, and then we're going to drill down to your podcast series. But it, there's a feeling and I, and I'm going to ask for some empirical data later and what you look at. But there's a real moment here with women's sports. I feel momentum building. Do you feel it? What are the indicators? What do you look at? What tells you that there's progress being made? I do feel it. And it is part, but not all of the catalyst for the She Got Game podcast. So we, we know how the cyclical trends work. If a prominent platform invests in the rights to events, inherently, it will increase visibility. Now, you take an obvious platform like ESPN. I love the Women's College World Series. The reality is, if ESPN was not a rights holder for the Women's College World Series, it would not have the visibility it does, not just for showcasing the games, but when ESPN owns something, there is visibility on SportsCenter, there's visibility on radio. And so when you look at the entire ecosystem of a prominent platform, you understand the power of being a rights holder. So we're seeing more um, investment in women's rights, uh, in women's rights for games. We're also seeing a shift. And, and this is sort of a macro level discussion, I think, in the way brands think about how they present themselves as it pertains to consumer purchasing decisions. So we know for a long time that brands were reticent to put anything out there that was remotely controversial for fear of alienating a portion of their consumer base. I don't know if this is a byproduct of Black Lives Matter, um, Me Too, the pandemic, and people having a lot of time to sit home and think or whatever. But the research now tells us that more than ever, consumer purchasing decisions are based on whether a brand aligns with their core values. When you align yourselves with women in sports, it speaks powerfully to your core values and it makes people think differently about the brand. And we know that ultimately everything that a brand does is driving toward the bottom line. And so this is why, yes, in long form answer to your short question, I think there is a movement. But in a world where not only brands, uh, companies, uh, they will drill down to the data that says, how do I increase revenue? How can I increase ROI? I am still stunned at the fact that, oh my God, look what we're just noticing now. <laughs> how, how did this take so long? I, I never, last year, and this is a, oh, a year ago, it's actually fun, a year ago uh, this week, we're at South by Southwest and we're listening to, we're listening to Alexis Ohanian, who's the lead investor in Angel City, talk about all the meetings he took with VCs about investing in what was going to be this women's soccer team. And he's like, these guys would throw money at cockamamie ideas. They didn't need to see anything. It was like, okay, yeah, I see the pitch deck. Great. Here's, you know, here's $20 million. Here's $100 million. But the empirically driven, ROI proven women's sports, I'm, they didn't want to hear about it. They didn't want to invest. And, so, and here we are a year later. Okay, so let me ask you this. How much you think of investment is truly based on empirical data? <laughs> is there a right answer? 
<laughs> a, a little, you only know a little bit. The answer is <laughs> very little. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Teeny weeny. Can I say teeny weeny? Is that sophisticated <laughs> enough for the What's show? The teeny weeny number. Yeah. That's A, but here's B. Historically, who are the people making the decisions about the visibility of women's sports? Guys invests. Yep. Now, perhaps part of the reason why that's starting to change is because there is a broader drive for diversity and leadership positions because there is a broader drive to put to create diversity in the boardroom. And that's certainly not exclusive to gender. That, that's diversity across the board. But it's also a byproduct of Title IX that I don't think we shed enough light on because the further along we go along this Title IX road, the more generations of girls we're going to have playing sports, which means the more interest there's going to be among girls and young women to pursue careers in sports, which means the numbers will start growing and growing when it comes to the number of women qualified to serve in leadership roles, qualified to serve in the boardrooms in conjunction with a push toward diversity. So when you try to get granular about the reason behind the movement, there are all of these really interesting spokes that extend uh, from the the foundational wheel of women's sports. I find the whole thing really fascinating. We had a meeting, uh, an internal meeting at Sportico earlier this week to talk about the NCAA tournaments and kind of thinking about our coverage plan. And we kind of unanimously on the call realized that I think Caitlin Clark is is the most famous college basketball player that's going to be playing in the next month. Uh, I, I watch a decent amount of, of men's basketball, less, less women's basketball. I, I feel like she is by far the most nationally noteworthy and recognizable college basketball player uh, that is active right now. And I think that's a really interesting and, and, and also feels like a part but of wait, the Eben, sea change. But wait, Eben, about. wasn't NIL going to be detrimental to women? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people got that wrong, turns out. Amazing yeah. for women. I did a whole panel on this. So um, College Football Playoff is one of my clients. And during CFP Championship, they have this really cool fan fest that is akin to the fan fest that they do for the Super Bowl. And I was in charge of um, putting together all the programming for their main stage. And we did this whole panel about NIL. And one of the most interesting findings was that, you know, in, exactly what we're talking about, that women are, you know, maybe there are not quite as many multi-million dollar deals, like real cash deals, because we know the prominence of these NIL deals are barter, <laughs> more barter and less cash. Um, and, and you know, to a certain degree, debase, based on incentivization. But women have thrived in the NIL space. And here's why. Because social media footprint has a lot to do with whether athletes even get these opportunities. And what the research tells us about women versus men on social media and how they're building their presence there is that women's performance, broadly speaking, is very strong because they engage in a more meaningful way with their audiences. So if a brand is smart and they wanna get in bed with an athlete, figuratively speaking, not literally, um, and they do their due diligence and they understand that the athletes profile, their audience reach aligns with where the brand wants to go. That's a really smart investment. So, so let me ask you, Bonnie, because for Caitlin Clark and for folks who don't know, she's a, a guard at Iowa. She's amazing. People, you know, talk compare her to Steph Curry in terms of the, the range and, and, and her talents. Uh, do you think that, that her 
her becoming a national sensation this year is related to NIL at all. I can't personally name a, a deal that she's done. Maybe she's done a lot and I'm just just missing them subconsciously. Or do you think that 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 her kind of breakout on the national stage is less about changing marketing rules for athletes and more just about more momentum for for women's college basketball beyond NIL? Well, I think it's a few things. She's really talented. Let's just start with that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, number two, the the willingness for marketers to shine a light on women is greater. Uh, to be completely candid, I'm not familiar with her NIL deals, but yeah. I did an, inter- uh, an interview uh, a couple months ago with Adam Silver and Kathy Engelbert. And, and I asked Adam about a quote I had seen from him from a few years ago, which is, Um, that there is a strong male audience for the WNBA in part because the fundamental, the fundamentals of the game are really strong. I see this in basketball. I see this in golf. If you want to learn how to play golf by watching players, you watch LPGA players because their fundamentals are so solid. Their swings are flawless. You know, there's a lot of players on the PGA tour who are extraordinarily successful, but they got a whole bunch of weird stuff going on in their swings that you watch it and you're like, how the hell does this work? But by and large, because of the biologics, the anatomy is different, whatever it is, like we, we can go down all sorts of different roads with this, <laughs> with this discussion, but men's and women's bodies are different and therefore their physical capabilities are different. And because of that, I think there's something to be said with part of the appetite for men watching women's sports is because the game is so pure. Uh, if I may, by the way, October 2022, Nike um, uh, announced a, a series of NIL deals, Caitlin among them, next to Bronny James and some others. So Look I think it's important. Yeah, to, the taping. I can do so much. I mean, Eben knows when I go silent, he knows my brain sometimes <laughs> wanders and crazy stuff yeah, comes This is less of a tangent than I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I've become really good at being able to go to the to the Google as as we're recording. No no problem there. And and Bonnie, you know what I also find interesting here is you know I, I'm going to say the knuckle dragger. I was like, oh, nobody watches women's sports. Nobody cares. You know, that, they didn't say otherwise. Well, uh, exactly. But I do laugh then when you see like, the, the, uh, the NCAA volleyball championships or softball or others. When put on par, lacrosse, when put on par, there, there is a difference. You mentioned ESPN, and I'm not picking on ESPN, but there is a difference between being on the mothership and being on ESPNU, ESPN2, ESPN News. Given the same time, broadcast time slot, Given the same platform, it's remarkable what women's sports has been able to achieve. Or I should say it's not really that remarkable. It's, it's, it's actually a no-brainer. Well, it's important because let's, let's go back for those of us who are listening, who are in our age range. And Evan is a little younger than you and I are, Scott. When we were growing up, there were three networks and like PBS and maybe a superstation you might have access I, to. When we were growing up, Bonnie, I was the remote control. I had to stand next to the TV thing and turn it from <laughs> CBS to NBC to ABC, and my father would watch TV, and he'd be like, no. Sometime I'd stand there for two minutes while there's a commercial. It would yeah. come back on. No. I'd yep. like, I mean, so that, yeah. Eben, this is totally foreign to Eben. He doesn't know that world. <laughs> yeah, no. and, and see, my household was a little bit different because my dad was the remote control. And if I dare ever switched it during baseball season after a Mets game, I would get no dinner. And I, and I would be told that I'd like it. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, now 
there are so many different options. You got like 300 channels on cable and then everybody's got their Netflix and their Amazon and now Apple's getting into the sports game. And so when you think in mass about all of the different options that are available and still the ratings for women's sports events is improving, you know, it, it may look incremental relative to the ratings that we would used to be seeing on Monday night football, but it's, that's apples and oranges because the the content ecosystem is completely different now. So, you know, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And then people will start paying attention. I say things are apples to watermelons. If you're talking about sort of platforms and how things are delivered now, you just can't even make the comparison. Why but you, you know what? talking about watermelon in March? I just want warm weather and cookouts and burgers and watermelon. I had a mango last night. It was pretty okay. good. <laughs> It was, it was pretty good. Let's talk about the podcast, though. She Got Game, and you know we focus on the ownership suites here. We love business of sports, and I'll let you, I'll let you take it where you want. I'm just going to read some names of people uh, that some we've written about, but some we haven't. But Julie Ehrman, Danny Garcia, Chelsea Clinton, Leila Ali, Amy Trask. You know, she, uh, but it was, she negotiates like a girl. Uh, yeah. Sean Johnson. So how did you go about picking? I mean, there's a wide range. How did you go about picking and have you found a thread that runs from one to the other? See, I would have thought for this podcast and this audience, the first person you would have said was Sheila Johnson. <laughs> and that's like the one you didn't mention. No, so, we've written a lot Wizards about it. We've, we've actually worked. Chelsea Clinton was on one of our, our, our events. Danny Garcia, we write about all the time with the XFL. Amy is obviously, she's coming to our WX3 event. Is that June, Eben? June in LA. June 7th. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, yeah, but we we love Sheila Johnson as well. We, uh, we the WNBA owner. We've written about Bob Johnson, who was the first black owner in the NBA when he bought the was it the Hornets back then? I mean, which, what what did he? And I'll never forget his great quote. I think I believe it was Bob told me we broke the story that he was the one getting the team, and I had a conversation with him. I was in the press room at Madison Square Garden. Funny how all this stuff comes back to you, and <laughs> and he said to me, Scott, it ain't about black and white; it's about green. Boom, done. Ooh, oh my gosh, that's an amazing quote that I Great love. Quote. Lead, lead quote to the story, obviously, but, but that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about investment. We're talking about companies providing investment and backing. It's about the whole support, support system and ecosystem, not just, oh, somebody got a job. There's a lot of parts that have to go into play here. Well, and more than ever, it's about building community. So, I mean, to answer your question, I, I'm a data nerd. I'm not as proficient uh, at it as you are and Eben as, as you are and pretty much at everybody as, as proficient as everybody at Sportico is because that's part of um, the business model is understanding that aspect of the sports industry. But a few years ago, I came across an Ernst & Young study that ESPNW was a part of. And one of the most fascinating findings to me was that 94% of women in C-suites played sports. About half of those women played college sports. And the study created uh, a really strong connection between the skill sets that we learn as athletes and how women have been able to parlay that into professional success. Now, that was a very specific business study. But as we started coming upon the 50th anniversary in Title IX, and because I'm, you know, I feel fortunate to be a beneficiary of Title IX, I did gymnastics for 14 years all the way up through the U University of Maryland and, and was a multi-sport athlete growing up, I wanted to try to figure out a way to utilize this study as a springboard for storytelling around the 50th anniversary of Title IX that looked a little bit different. We've seen a ton, and, and rightfully so, and it's been amazing celebratory content. 
shining a light on women who have been game changers, pioneers, glass ceiling shatterers, the women who have helped propel opportunity for girls and women in sports to the place it is now, along with Title IX. But for all of the opportunity and the doors that have been created for girls and women because of Title IX, what we know is something that is, I don't want to say antithetical, but to a certain degree alarming in that for all the opportunity, girls are still leaving sports at a higher frequency and an earlier age than boys. Now, why is that? So it's a lot of things. Maybe Sally won't get a scholarship or there's not a ton of professional opportunities or she's going through puberty and her body's all out of whack and she's like, this isn't working for me anymore. Or she's being bullied or her parents, quite frankly, don't have the money to even cover youth league registration fees. And for that matter, now there are so many school systems that are pay to play. So if you want to play after school sports in middle school and high school, a lot of times mom and dad or a guardian can't afford it. And I wanted to try to find a way to talk about the power of sports through really powerful megaphones. And so if mom or dad or an aunt or grandma says to Sally, um, even if you can't achieve your goals, stay in sports as long as you can because you're going to develop all these life skills. I mean, Evan, I don't know if you have kids. So, Schnick, uh, you know, I don't know if your kids listen to you. Clearly, uh, we, we no, talked uh, no. some not, <laughs> not safe for listening uh, commentary from your son that leads me to believe that maybe not so much. Yeah. But, you know, we know when we give really what we know to be important messaging to kids, it goes in one ear and out the other. If Layla Ali, if Sheila Johnson, if Amy Trask, if Aisha Tyler say that, share that same message, maybe there's a shot at lands differently. And maybe not only does that impact the way girls and young women feel about the power of sports, but maybe it can help parents structure the conversation about the power of sports differently with their daughters. Hey, you don't want to listen to me? Go listen to Layla Ali. You don't want, you do not want to mess with Layla Ali. <laughs> so, you know, that was the genesis behind it in terms of how we chose. Um, we know how this you have as good a relationships as anybody, Scott. You use your relationships, you find a good booker, and you find <laughs> people who want to be a part of the sisterhood. I mean, it's, I'm candidly, because it's such a niche topic, it was not the easiest thing to book. But as I've heard over and over again, once you start building momentum, once the train pulls out of the station, and now we can go back to publicists of, you know, A-list actresses like Queen Latifah, and when they ask the question, well, who else has done it? I can say, Aisha Tyler's done it. I can say, Falake Oluwapoyeku, who's the star of Bob Hart's Abishola, has done it. Good for you. So, well, good for me that I can actually pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you're like, now that I can say, good for you, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, but, it's, um, you know, hopefully it's, it's really powerful, inspirational, aspirational content that also is content for impact because Audible, which is where the podcast is living, is really stepping up. They are making a $25,000 donation, $25, donation on behalf of our guests to four different organizations in Newark, New Jersey, where they're based. Um, that will open up doors for girls to play. And that's a huge differentiator when there is so much content out there. So um, I'm super excited about it. Any chance I get to slam New Jersey Transit, I'll take it. I see that audible <laughs> sign when, I, when my New Jersey Transit train isn't moving in the morning and I'm just sitting there looking at the sign. Oh, Audible based in Newark, just in case. 
Oh, there we go, Evan. Back to I, <laughs> my my regularly scheduled New Jersey Transit slam. Now back to you, Evan. I don't know. Like I've had good experiences with New Jersey Transit. Maybe it's just you. How how many times are you riding New Jersey Transit? Oh, you, okay. I mean, my family lives in New Jersey, and I'm a beach girl. All right, so that's significant usage. Yes, I, then I, you just have much better luck than I do. I have did, an app that I use religiously. Me too, but it's always saying no. They don't have either. There's something stuck in the tunnel. They don't have equipment. They don't have an engineer. They don't have something. Delay, delay, stand Take by. the bus, Scott. The bus is better. Oh, wait, two words for you, Bonnie. <laughs> do, do these two words, depending on what line you're on, this is this is very important in terms of New Jersey transit and efficiency. Do these two words mean anything to you? Portal bridge. Portal bridge? Yes. There is like a 200-year-old portal bridge that has to like turn open whatever when, when the maritime traffic is going through. Yeah. And it never closes right. So therefore, they cannot send a train over it until they get confirmation that it's going through. Somebody goes out with a sledgehammer and bangs the bejesus out of it until like a pulse of energy goes through and says, okay, it's clear to go. But that could be four hours waiting. Feeling like this is not the first time this has come up. As a it is not. We got, off the, <laughs> we got off the rails here, pun intended. Um, yeah. And I will uh, I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring us back. Bonnie, the, 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 the podcast, obviously, this is a topic that, that you have both lived and covered for, for, for a long time. Yeah. Uh, are there things, surprises, either specific moments with a specific guest or in, in the bigger macro sense, things that you learned in this in, in this specific project that, that either surprised you or forced you to take a look at this part of the industry from a different lens? Yes. Um, I've known Amy Trask. I'm sure Scott has too, for like yeah. ever. I would say I first met her in 1998 when I was going over to CBS and we had the AFC, obviously, so we were doing Raiders games for all the time I've known Amy, I had no idea she was an equestrian. So we were talking one day and I was sharing a little bit about the podcast and we go down a road that I'm not going to give it all away, but I find it fascinating. She was telling me all about how she learned teamwork from her time on horses. And, and when you think about <laughs> The environment Amy had to navigate reporting into Al Davis all of those years. And if you know anything about Amy, she was such a thorough study. I mean, she grew up a Raiders fan. So from the game perspective, she was she was savvy before she ever stepped foot into, um, you know, the the team's offices. But Amy is such a thorough study of all aspects of an organization and so to be successful at the level she was as to date, the only uh, CEO of an NFL team, you have to be able to work in concert with all of the different offices within a business. And she's done it masterfully well. And so to bring it back to her learning about teamwork from a horse, I thought was really interesting. Um, for me, it was incredible affirmation about the power of what we learn, the teamwork, the accountability, the time management, the resilience, the work ethic, the coachability, the sportsmanship. Because when you're playing sports as a kid, you're never thinking about that. Oh, like I'm playing soccer because I'm going to like, we just, our brains aren't developed enough to figure that out. Um, my brain's still developing and I'm 52. Um, but wait a minute, yours is developing and mine's atrophying. This is a big problem. Oh no, I still, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm, I still gotta I try, work. but it's, it's harder. I can't hold stuff anymore. Keep trying, Scott. <laughs> never, never stop trying. 
So, but it was it was great affirmation to hear from these women who, you know, Layla Ali and Sean Johnson, of course, we know them as athletes, but in their post-athletic careers, they've gone on to be incredible businesswomen. And then you've got incredible businesswomen like Amy, like Sheila, like a Julie Ehrman, who talk about how playing sports played a role in their success. And then you have people like Chelsea Clinton, who probably nobody knew she played sports. And by no stretch of the imagination will Chelsea say that, you know, she was D1 level athlete. She's got a book about it. Yes. But a lot of that was inspired because of the stories her grandmother would tell her about women like Babe Diedrich Saharius. Um, and then there are women in Hollywood like Aisha Tyler. And anytime I can say Falake Oluwafoyeko because I'm just so proud to be able to say it, like these are actresses. And Falake is a Nigerian immigrant who, as a girl growing up in Nigeria, had very little access to sports, didn't know how to play basketball, learned how to play basketball by watching 2K. And then when she emigrates to the United States, lands in New York, and now that she has this ability to spread her wings, sees a flyer at the City College of New York to try out for the basketball team and makes it and thrives. So, you know, all of the stories that these women share create this common link about how impactful participation in sports is so far beyond your playing days. And for me, because I've been an athlete a whole life and the very fabric of who I am and who I've been able to become uh, is because of what I learned as an athlete. It's just, it's really meaningful for me. Well, if I may, I mean, we got about a minute left, Bonnie. I, I would, when I get through all these and I will, I would love to hear you chatting with Alexis Ohanian because I think you'd be fascinated by sort of all the stories he had and the data that him. he has. I did and, the panel with him and Julie, remember last yeah, year? Yes. Angel City. Yes. He's amazing. He's amazing. I, I think he'd be great on the pod now. I mean, to see it from that time when he was like, nobody will listen to me, to a time now when these investments or the valuations on these teams are skyrocketing and people are starting to listen, uh, I think he'd be fascinated to hear what he thinks from, from then until now. And sure. I, I got to tell you, I get a big kick out of watching people try and criticize Mina Kimes. I, I, I get such a kick out of it. You know, I used to work with Mina at Bloomberg and frankly had no idea she was interested in sports and you know how she became on, uh, got her start on ESPN. Somebody read a, a thing she wrote about the Seahawks and her father. Fascinating. But she has created this like cottage industry for herself, surely opening up minds and eyes and ears and hearts to, wait a minute, how can this... This woman who never played football become one of the brightest minds in the game. Fascinating stuff. She's she's done the time and she's consistently proven that her her knowledge of football is incredible. And I mean, you can debate it as much as you want. And a lot of people aren't interested in debating the quality of the information. They just want to debate whether a woman should be talking about football or not. And, you know, that unfortunately... You know, I was about to say that'll never change, but I'm going to reverse course on that because I think with each generation, there's a greater greater level of acceptance and a greater propensity to embrace women who are and can be as passionate and as knowledgeable about football as any guy out there. All right, Bonnie Bernstein, we'll let you have the final word on that one. Much appreciated as always. We, uh, we love to catch up with you. And I hope everybody listens to it. She Got Game is the podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. All right, Eben. I mean, I, I will listen to that entire podcast series. I love listening to Bonnie, and I know she's passionate 
uh, about it. And it just made total sense on International Women's Day to uh, highlight somebody who's not only doing the work now, but has been doing the work for a very long time. Yeah, it's interesting to see kind of both of the angles that she's taking, right, which are either female athletes who are known for their athletic prowess and the ways that career set them up for for stuff afterwards, and then vice versa, women who are powerful in other parts of uh, of, of, of global business that, that, that when they were younger uh, were athletes in the way in which that experience helped them set them up and, and, and shape their careers afterwards. So a, a cool 360 look at a topic that that I think a lot of people uh, kind of understand from a conceptual level, but would probably be fascinated to hear individual stories like that Amy Trask one uh, to, to to see it on on a person by person level. All right, he is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much, Matt. Our digital media editor, Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.